This morning I preach you the gospel as we have it given to us in Zechariah chapter 3. In one night, Zechariah received several visions. We've seen three of those, the vision of the horseman or the man among the myrtle trees, the vision of the horns and craftsmen, the man with the measuring line. Now Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. And the angel of the Lord solemnly assured Joshua, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways and keep my charge, And keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and have charge of my courts. And I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, for they are men who are a sign. Behold, I will bring my servant the branch. For behold, on the stone that I have set before Joshua, On a single stone with seven eyes, I will engrave its inscription, declares the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. In that day, declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor to come under his vine and under his fig tree. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if you look at the vision in chapter 2, all the people coming into the church, you can imagine Satan's horror to see that vision, the nations joining themselves to the Lord. Although these people had once been enemies of the Lord, the Lord promised that they would be his people and he would dwell in the midst of them as well as with the Jewish nation. Zechariah chapter 2, verse 11. And you see that Vision, maybe you even asked it. He said, how, how could such sinners be in the presence of the most holy God? Indeed, what gives any one of us the right to be here this morning worshiping the Creator as our Father? The prophecy of Zechariah confirms the seriousness of our situation as sinners before a holy God. Throughout the prophecy, It is clear that in order to enjoy fellowship with their Lord and Creator, God's people needed purification from their sins. The fourth vision takes a central place in affirming this theme, for it presents the gospel of salvation from our sins through the work of the high priest Joshua, who was anticipating 
the coming Jesus Christ. The Hebrew name Joshua, which means Savior, is the Old Testament equivalent of the New Testament name Jesus, which means Savior. And he is the one I proclaim to you this morning under this theme, Jesus the Purifier fulfills the sign of Joshua the High Priest. We'll see that God's children are accused of being filthy. We are plucked from the fire and we are dressed in fine clothes. The proper name Satan means accuser. Standing at the right hand of Joshua and Zechariah's vision, his job today was very easy. The evidence was there before everyone. Joshua was wearing filthy clothes. And the word for filthy is the strongest word possible in the Hebrew language uh, that could be used. And it often refers to the stinky filth of excrement. It's a vivid picture of the disgusting stain and misery of sin in our lives. Satan accused Joshua of being covered in the filth of sin, unworthy to be in the presence of the Lord. And Joshua, as a high priest, was representing the, the entire nation, the, the, the entire people of God, after they returned from the exile. Even after the punishment, the chastisements of exile, and the people's sincere attempts to return to the Lord, the vision of Joshua in his filthy clothes showed what the Lord sees when he looks upon men and women who are entangled in their sins. When the Lord looked at his people through their human sinful mediator, there was only filth. Sin permeates the covenant people of God, and no one in all the earth is exempt. And Satan's strategy in the heavenly throne room is like the strategy of many wicked people who try to manipulate others to gain power over them. That strategy is to, to constantly point to the faults of the people that are before them. And Satan loves to air people's dirty laundry to confirm that we are right to have a very low self-esteem, to publicly disgrace struggling sinners. In our day and age, it's very common to use dredged up sins of the past to define and defame people without any notion of forgiveness. There's only punishment. People are being canceled. Their monuments are being torn down, without regard to context in which the unacceptable word or action was performed, their entire person and all the helpful things they ever did are, are, are hated and denied. If you ever in your life wore filthy clothes in the eyes of many, you are forever condemned for your filthy clothes. The sad thing is that such thinking often stands behind broken friendships, even in a congregation, in a school setting. You see that often among young people, high school and teenagers. 
If one kind or thoughtless word is spoken against us, it, it keeps on being brought up again and again. We, we never see the person differently again. It forms divisions and, and we may go decades with that thought still in our mind. And there is no forgiveness. And there is no room for change. And the cliques are formed. And the tension between husband and wife grows stronger. That's how the accuser works. He divides. He undermines. He destroys without regard to facts or context or growth or learning or grace or forgiveness. Every word, every thought, every action, it's fair game for Satan's accusations. And the terrible thing is that for the most part, he does not need to even make things up when he talks about the sins in our lives. Our conscience will often bring us to the same conclusions about our filthiness. We confess it right in Lord's Day 23 of the Heidelberg Catechism when we say, my conscience accuses me that I have grievous, grievously sinned against all God's commandments, have never kept any of them, and am still inclined to all evil. When Satan accuses us of having sinful desires and committing sinful acts, he is correct. There is a reason that Joshua the high priest kept quiet. Even the angel of the Lord did not deny the charges, the accusations of what was there standing before him. Outside of the Lord, outside of God's grace and his work, no one can escape the guilt and the sins and the shame and the sorrow of the past. And there is no forgiveness. It's a foretaste of hell. And as we see Zechariah's fourth vision with him, as we behold the things that he was beholding, we see ourselves there standing in it. We know that we deserve this hell. And the terrifying thing is that all this is taking place right in the very presence of the Lord. Look at how many times it is mentioned in our text that Joshua was standing before the angel of the Lord. This does not change, even though today we know that Satan, the accuser, has been cast out of God's heavenly throne room. Even without Satan's spiteful finger pointing directly at us before God's throne, the Lord can see for himself all those sinful things that we are constantly desiring and thinking and doing even when we think that we have gotten away with something because no one else knows about it, the Lord still sees it as another piece of filth on our garments. Every time we read the law in the worship services, if we are sincere, thoughtful, and carefully evaluating ourselves, that law is like a bright light and it, it exposes those things that can be used to accuse and condemn us. And we confess it together in confessional prayer. Every one of us is unfaithful, weak, sinful in our general office, 
their calling as women, men, children, as Christians, as office bearers, citizens. We cannot enter God's holy presence on our own merits. God demands perfect righteousness, and we are unable to present that to him. So Joshua saw, so Zechariah saw Joshua standing there, Satan accusing him. But that's not the end of the story. It's not the end of the vision. That's not the end of the story, even for the human race. Satan, the accuser, does not have the final word. The gospel of the vision is that Satan is unable to condemn us. He is unable to judge, for he is not the judge. As we're seeing Zechariah's fourth vision over his shoulder, our hearts leap for joy when we see that the judge is the angel of the Lord who speaks the words of the sovereign Lord and reveals the person and work of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. God shows us that Satan needs to convince the very angel of the Lord who before had offered prayers on behalf of the very church that Satan is accusing. He is that mediator among the myrtles. The angel of the Lord is the judge who speaks with great knowledge and with great authority when he rebukes Satan. Satan is wrong. His accusations against the church that the Lord redeemed are untrue for everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. The accuser had been ignoring the fact that the Lord dealt with those sins and that filth and that evil that he was pointing to. He snatched the church out of their punishment like a a person snatching a brand or, or a burning stick out of the fire. The accusations were correct, but Satan was rebuked. And the only reason that the Lord gave for his rebuking of Satan was that he had chosen Jerusalem. Satan was wrong because the Lord in his good pleasure and perfect will decided that his chosen church would not be punished for the sins that they had committed. In his infinite wisdom, he decided to rescue and save a portion of the world so that they would not be condemned for what they had done. This is the grace he calls us to show to one another as well. We talked about the cliques and the judging and the unwillingness to forgive, but when he promises us his grace, he also causes us to show love even to those who we think don't deserve it. And Zechariah's vision not only shows that God decided to rescue his church out of mere grace, but it also reveals the details of how God planned to accomplish his purpose and how he planned to purify his church that was so stained with sin. Since the Lord is holy, it's necessary for his justice to be satisfied with full payment for sins. And so much work had to be done to provide a way for God's people to escape the punishment they deserved and to be received again into favor with God. While this work 
was first announced to, to the church through the annual sacrifices, which all culminated on the Day of Atonement. And on that day, you can read about it in Leviticus 16, the, the priest would come up, draw near to the Lord, and he would first purify himself with a sacrifice so that he could enter the most holy place with the blood of the sin offering for the entire church to make atonement for their sins. And that's why Joshua, the high priest, is so central in this vision promising forgiveness. In order to enter the presence of God, Joshua needed to have his sins forgiven and be given clean clothes. In order to represent the people, he needed to enter into his office, or he needed to enter in his office as a pure high priest. And that's why Zechariah cried out. He saw the clean clothes, and then he cried out. He said, he said, let them put a clean turban on his head. Let him enter not just as a Joshua, let him enter as a high priest. And since the turban with its gold plate engraved with the words holy to the Lord was a distinguishing mark of the high priest, Zechariah's request for the turban was like a prayer. Lord, forgive the sins of the people too. And in Zechariah's vision, though Joshua received the clean clothes and the turban, the words of the angel indicated that this Joshua was just a sign of a greater high priest who would come. Joshua, the Old Testament high priest, was a type that pointed to God's plan to send Jesus the purifier. The announcement accompanying the sign and the vision was that the Lord himself would bring, would be able to, would bring someone who would be able to completely wash away the iniquity of the land in a single day. He says, behold, I will bring my servant the branch. This is not a new promise for the church to hear. Isaiah had spoken of a servant who would suffer for the iniquity of God's people. We sang about that in Isaiah, in hymn 25, which was based on Isaiah 53. We saw also the display text as we walked in, that promise of the branch that God would raise up from the stump of Jesse. And the servant and this branch is also called the stone that the Lord set before, jo before a Joshua. Perhaps Zechariah was to think of one of the precious stones that were engraved with the names of the 12 tribes which were found on the breastpiece of the high priest was brought into the presence of the Lord. Or perhaps he was to think of the promise of the stone that was rejected by the builders who became the cornerstone of all God's future church building work, Jesus, the church's one foundation. In any case, the stone that the Lord set in front of Joshua in the vision pointed to a special person with sovereign knowledge symbolized in the seven eyes. And although there has been much speculation about what the inscription on the stone read, it's probably the words given right in the very end of the verse 9. Behold, I will remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. Atonement in one day was engraved right in the stone, right in the Son of God, right in the branch, right in the Messiah, 
as his purpose. The Lord was announcing the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus was born in the line of David as the promised branch. His own robes did not need to be washed clean, for he was innocent of all transgression. He did not need to present a bull or a goat to bear the sins and wrath of God, but he offered his own life as a sacrifice. He took the filthy garments of God's people upon his own shoulders so that God might punish him and mock him for the disgusting and the offensive and the rebellious things that others had done. He was a high priest who came with that one mission engraved upon himself as the program for his life to remove the sin of the land in a single day. Zechariah's vision reminds us that there is only forgiveness for those who turn to this Savior, to this Lord, and who repent of their sins and come into his presence with the payment that he offers as our high priest. Every person that God had chosen will show their calling and election by coming into his presence through the way of atonement that he had opened up, that is, through Jesus Christ, that is, on our knees in humble worship of the one Savior. In the Old Testament, the church received the clean clothes of forgiveness by bringing sacrifices with humble and repentant hearts. In the New Testament, the church receives the clean clothes of forgiveness by placing their faith in Jesus Christ, who is their sacrifice, and following him with humble and repentant hearts into the presence of God. The judge in the trial condemns the accuser for attacking the very people he had just saved from punishment. He condemns the accuser for those who are hidden in Jesus Christ, who put their faith in his work, who have their sins paid for. And our hearts rejoice at the words of the Lord to Satan. The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who had chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? And then we put it together, brothers and sisters. When your conscience accuses you, this is the picture of yourself that you can hold in your mind. When you have trouble forgiving a fellow believer for things that they have spoken or done against you in the past and you cling to your accusations, hear the words of the Lord. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. I am a brand plucked from the fire. My neighbor is a brand plucked from the fire. The Lord rebuke you, conscience. The Lord rebuke you, self-righteous brother or sister. For God has decided that believers receive mercy and not the punishment they deserve. We could say it every day. I, I am a piece of wood that has been plucked out of the fire. Yes, I do not have as much as I used to, for much of who I was is, was lost in the fire. And yes, you could still smell the smoke of, of that fire on me. 
and you could see the black marks, and you could see the stains and the scars of, of rebellious life and, and of punishments. But the Lord reached into the fire and He rescued me. And that's who we all are. Don't be fooled by the appearances of the members of the church. We often project some sort of glorious life on everyone around us except for ourselves. We really are nothing more than a big smoldering pile of smoking sticks that have been rescued from an eternal punishment that we often desire to return to. Our presence here is not a sign of our strength. It's not a result of our moral superiority or our preeminent holiness. But here we are here only because of the Lord's awesome and amazing grace. The Lord looked at you and your life, he, and he said those, and he said that those sins don't belong there, for they had been atoned for. Jesus Christ entered the fire of God's wrath to be burned in our place so that we might be able to be plucked out. And then he could tell those standing by there, take off those filthy clothes. And yet God's work doesn't end with the removal of the filthy garments of iniquity. He doesn't just take away all those sins and, and leave us standing there naked to fend for ourselves in the future. He knows that our sinful nature corrupts even our righteous deeds so that they are nothing more than what Isaiah calls filthy rags. In his vision, Zechariah saw that Joshua the high priest was clothed with pure vestments after his filthy ones had been removed. Jesus dresses his church in fine clothes. It showed Joshua the high priest with pure garments and a clean turban on his head, the symbol of the perfectly righteous and holy high priest Jesus Christ who brings us into the presence of the Lord. And we see the promise of this vision is not just for Joshua, not only for the people of Israel, but for the church of all times and places in the world. By his sacrifice, the branch did not gain access into the most, did not just gain access into the most holy place, but he was able to conquer sin and death so that we could have a place among those standing in the presence of the Lord himself in heaven. Zechariah 3, verse 7. There is a changing, a, a cleaning up of the person, and there is a carrying into the presence of God. Jesus is the great purifier who has taken away the sins of everyone who believes in him and promises to put fine garments on you. And the giving of the new garments was as much an act of grace as the removal of the filthy ones and the rebuke of the devil. As God chose us out of grace alone and set, sent his son to wash our robes like we sang about in those hymns and we read about in Revelation, so he clothes us with Christ's righteousness out of pure grace, that, that picture of the marriage feast of the Lamb in Revelation 19. He imputes 
Christ's righteousness to us. He counts it as if it was our own. And so he equips us to to stand in his presence confident and unashamed in the work of Jesus Christ alone. And through Christ's high priestly service and a sacrifice, the church is once again reinstated as a kingdom of priests. And in Christ, we are that church. We are a kingdom of priests plucked out of the fire by the grace of our sovereign God. And then what we need to remember now as we look down and see our clean garments is that Jesus Christ has purified us for a purpose. Joshua was told that this happened so that, verse 7, he might live in fellowship with God, walk in my ways, and so that he could fulfill his task as a high priest and mediator, keep my charge. After God redeemed his church out of slavery, out of mere grace, he gave the Ten Commandments as a guide for our life in the redeemed, in our redemption. Every covenant comes with a promise and an obligation. And his call to us is remain in his love. There is no automatic salvation for those who have tasted the goodness of God. If you look at Amos 4 verse 11, you'll see that the people of Israel had been called a brand plucked from the fire before. And they learned that even burning sticks snatched from the fire will be punished again if they return to a life of rebellion. Noah's children had to be warned against jumping off the ark into the waters of judgment below. Moses and Joshua told the people not to intermingle or intermarry with the nations around them that were doomed to the punishment. Isaiah and Zechariah called the church to come out from the midst of God's enemies. Jesus told his church to abide in him, to remain in him and bear fruit The Lord gives every believer who comes to him in Jesus Christ clean clothes so that, so that, so that we may enjoy fellowship with God in peace. Verse 10, in that day, in that day when we are restored to fellowship with God through his Son and our perfect mediator, every one of you will invite his neighbor to come under his vine and under his fig tree. The expression about sitting under the trees is used, in many, is used many times in Scripture to describe that state of being so completely safe that you could take a nap under a tree without any worry. You are completely at peace. You are unafraid of anything. And there we are in that peace. Has not the Lord rebuked Satan himself and declared you is innocent in his sight? Has God not shown his electing pleasure for you when he he plucked you from the fire because he has chosen you? Has he not forgiven your sins through Christ's death on the cross? Has he not clothed you with Christ's righteousness so that you may live in peace with him forever? Will you not savor this peace and believe in Christ's atoning work for you and rebuke your accusing consciences and along with the devil himself? 
Do you see the, the blessed life in Christ that you can invite your neighbor to enjoy with you forever? And brothers and sisters, every time we prepare to enter into the presence of God in worship, sometimes you have a choice. You can go to the laundry room and pick some dirty clothes and pop those on. Who cares anyways? Or you could put on clean clothes. And you could see these clean and formal and celebratory clothes, how they express your faith in the glorious gospel revealed in Zechariah's vision. God made me clean by grace alone. By his grace I may live in the presence of the eternal king, unashamed of past sins and guilt, washed in Christ's blood, clothed with his righteousness, which is perfect and confident of your future as you desire to walk with him every day of your life. Amen. And we'll sing together now in response to hymn 79. Standing, if you're able to stand. Hymn 79 is the coming to Christ, uh, Son of God, in whom we have an abundant life. Hymn 79.